Welcome to the Reset Podcast. I'm Liz Tran, an executive coach to founders and CEOs of fast-growing tech companies, and I attribute my success to my spiritual practices, which are rooted in mindfulness and Zen Buddhism. In this podcast, I combine business advice with spiritual lessons to help you lead a courageous, authentic, and fulfilled life. Hi, everyone. I have some excellent news. It is the last week that Mercury will be retrograde. It started on October 13th and it'll finish on November 3rd, which is election day. And a lot of you guys are familiar with the concepts of it. I talked on the podcast last week about how my phone was on the fritz. My husband also dropped his computer on the ground yesterday and completely shattered the screen. I had some issues with my computer as well, and just been technical issues abounding. But one aspect of it that doesn't get spoken about as much is that it really brings up a lot of remembrances of the past. It's said that past lovers and old friends are more likely to pop up during Mercury retrograde and that your thoughts may bring you to the past, to your childhood, to even just a few years ago. And I've really felt myself in that nostalgic place and really thinking a lot about the choices that I made that were not ones that I would make now. So it's sort of safe to say that I've been feeling a big wash over me of regret and thinking of past mistakes and ways that I haven't been my best self and people who I've harmed etc, etc. And so this week, I am just gonna tell you guys all about them. (laughs) And it's really sort of scary to do that. But I felt that it was really important because I think a lot of us, particularly ones who are type A or people who are spiritual, most of us carry at least some guilt, some regret about the paths that we've chosen in life. I've been reflecting a lot on what to do with those feelings of regret and guilt. And concurrently to me processing all of this, I happened to pick up a book at McNally Jackson, my very favorite bookstore here in New York City. And without even realizing it, it had this really beautiful section that talked about guilt and regret. So to kick off our session today, before I invite you into this wild world of all of my past foibles and vulnerabilities, I'm going to read to you a little bit of a section from this book. It's called Just So by Alan Watts. For those of you who haven't heard of Alan Watts before, he actually passed away in 1973. He was a prolific, prolific writer, spiritual thinker. He started studying Buddhism in England in the 1930s when he was a teenager And he's really one of the earliest pioneers of bringing these philosophies of the East to the West. So he moved to California. He wrote a lot. He had a radio show. And since he passed away, his son has been posthumously taking his recordings that he made and turning them into books. And I picked up this book called Just So because I really liked the cover and the subtitle. The subtitle is Money, Materialism, and the Ineffable Intelligent Universe. I thought, great, I've been thinking a lot about how to not be materialistic, and I've been thinking a lot about switching my relationship to money. What I was pleasantly surprised about was that there's this really beautiful section, and I'll start reading it to you now. In Leaves of Grass, Walt Whitman writes that he admires animals because they, quote, do not lie awake in the dark and weep for their sins. Animals are practical. 
as our children who have yet to be taught this extraordinary hang-up of guilt. When most adults do something wrong or make a mistake, someone else makes us feel guilty and ashamed of it. So as a consequence, we run around licking the sores of our wounded ego about it. What sense does this make? The first thing to understand is that making mistakes is natural. It's not a serious failing for human beings to do so. Everybody makes mistakes and there's no way out of it. In fact, you can't learn anything unless you make mistakes. Freedom means being able to make mistakes. It means having the freedom to be a damn fool. Additionally, it means not recriminating yourself for mistakes, but working to do something different in the future. I just think that's so beautiful, this idea that we as human beings are supposed to make mistakes. And what I thought about is our original origins when we were hunter-gatherers. And as a hunter-gatherer, one had to actually traverse a tremendous amount of land in order to find their next food source. Because they were constantly bringing themselves into brand new environments, they made mistakes all the time. And that's why we're blessed with these amazing memories and these big old brains that we carry around. It's not because we need to be perfect, but rather it's just that we need to remember when we have made a mistake, right? When we should not eat that type of berry with a certain type of leaf, or we should not go to a certain type of swimming hole because there may be predators there. I take great consolation in knowing that I'm intended to make mistakes. My whole biology is here so that I can learn and grow from them and expand who I am. So with that in mind, I'll sort of start with my favorite topic, which is my business mistakes, my career shortcomings. And the reason why I wanted to share this with you is because I want to let you guys know that making mistakes is actually the path to success. I am not trying to brag here, but I just wanted to tell you right before I tell you about all of my many, many, many failures and business mistakes that I actually have a pretty good life now. I have a really beautiful apartment here in New York City that has three bedrooms just for me and my husband. And it has a tremendous amount of windows and it's sunny and gorgeous and everything is remodeled. And I just love living here. It's a perfect place. We also have a home in Canada that we are remodeling. We have a Range Rover. We have a car in Canada as well. And I'm just really happy. I wake up every day you know, beyond those material things, which actually aren't the most important, but I wake up every day and I feel so lucky to be doing work that inspires me. My workspace is covered with books that I'm finding inspiration from. And I just feel so grateful that I ended up in a place where I feel really, really, really good about the work I'm doing. And I love talking about it. With all that being said, (laughs) forgive the bragging. I just want to let you guys know that mistakes can lead to a good place. I have had the weirdest career out of anyone that I've known. I've failed so many times. When I first graduated from college, I worked at a law firm where one of my bosses hated me and she told me that I would never go to law school and I would be a failure. And she was kind of right because I didn't go to law school and I actually didn't even get into any good law schools, quote unquote good, right? In in my mind at the time, the ones that I really wanted to go to, even though I scored really high on the LSAT and I, you know, worked my butt off working on those applications, I was really disappointed. And I think a big part of that is that I did really poorly in college. I partied too much. I failed out of a couple classes. 
And when you fail a class, you get a zero and it totally decimates your GPA. So I had to work really, really hard my final two years, taking summer classes, taking January term classes and trying to get all A's to bring that GPA up. And even getting mostly A's my last two years, it still wasn't enough to have a very good GPA. That was that. And then I moved to New York. I couldn't find a job when I first moved here doing corporate office work. So I waited tables while all of my friends had quote unquote real jobs. And I felt really shitty about it. I started working in startups and at a certain point, then I got this job that I really, really liked and I was getting promoted all the time. And I decided to leave that job to go move to another company that reached out to me to see if I wanted to work there. I think I was maybe 27 at the time. So I took that job and left this company that had really nurtured me, had promoted me, where I had mentors. Within a couple weeks, I realized I had made a really bad decision. My boss was so mean to me. She would berate me over the phone because she was in San Francisco and I was in New York. I was miserable. I was doing all this work that was just like work I had done when I was 22. I was just immediately regressed back into what my role was back then. All that responsibility that I had accrued at my previous job, poof, it totally vanished. And I was like, oh man, I made a huge mistake here. And my old mentor, who was my boss at my previous company, said, Liz, I really think you need to go work for a big company like a Google or a Facebook because it'll really round out your background as someone who has seen all the different stages of tech companies, small, medium, large. He really thought it would help me understand process. So I went and I interviewed and I really tried to put my best foot forward and I didn't get a single job. And I was so, so devastated. I felt like such a big loser. And then around this time, I got married, which was also a giant mistake because we didn't stay married. And my husband and I, we made a film together, put a lot of money into doing it. And that film never went anywhere. It just totally disappeared. We didn't get any of what we had wanted to get from making it and investing so much into it. From there, I worked at this venture fund for a few years. I ultimately left that to start Reset. I have made so many mistakes with Reset. And if you want to learn what those are, you can listen to the episode of what I learned in my first year of business because I detail them pretty starkly there. If I were to recount this history to you and you didn't know anything about where I am today, you would probably think, wow, that person is probably really down in the dump somewhere. What a loser. Thing is, I'm doing great. And I think it's because of a lot of those mistakes. Oh, one more that I forgot too, which I think is kind of important. I had a job for like six months before I went and worked at this venture capital fund. And when I quit the job to go do this job in VC, obviously I was leaving after only having worked there for six months. And my boss said to me, you are never going to be successful in anything in life ever because of your attitude. I didn't really believe her, but there was still a part of me that thought, maybe she's right. Maybe I just jumped from place to place too much. But really, she was wrong. It was just because I hadn't found the thing that was right for me. So when I look back on my career history, there are definitely some regrets I have. I wish I had studied harder in college. (laughs) I wish I had taken the time really early on to think about what it was that I truly, truly wanted to do. On the other hand, I think about this beautiful Maya Angelou quote that just really sums up my life. Do the best you can until you know better. Then when you know better, do better.
That's it. Super simple. I'll just read it again because I think it's so beautiful. Do the best you can until you know better. Then when you know better, do better. That is a summary of all of my business regrets and all of my mistakes. Now we're on to the harder part, which is really what I've been thinking about. And those are my personal mistakes. And I think why these hit me harder is because I sometimes worry if I'm a bad human being, mostly because my mom was just not a very nice person. She really used and manipulated people and she was very selfish. And the therapists that I've had have postulated that she might be bipolar or she might be a sociopath. She might be someone who has a lot of PTSD from her childhood growing up in Vietnam whatever it is, there's sort of a vast agreement that there was something that was emotionally really toxic about her and it came from a personality challenge. So I'm her kid, you know, I'm her genetics. The biggest fear of mine growing up was that I was going to turn out like her. And there were a lot of ways that I was on the path to do that. Pretty much from when I was like 16 to 30, I was not fully aware or conscious of the way that I hurt people. A part of me consciously was aware that I was hurting people, but I didn't really let myself stop and think about it. And I did whatever it took to sort of mentally brush over it. So for instance, I drank a lot and I would do really irresponsible things. Like I would leave my friends alone at a party or I would break rules and make my friends come with me. Something that is a really big source of regret that may be like a little heavy for people and like trigger warning about abortion. I had an abortion when I was 17 and I knew that I couldn't have the baby or rather that I wouldn't have the baby. The father was this 27-year-old guy, keep in mind I was 17, who was waiting tables at the place where I was a hostess while I was in high school. And he lived in this really filthy house, like on a mattress in the basement with his bros. And it was just not a good scene. I had dreams and I had things that I wanted to do. And that was almost exactly half of my life ago, now that I'm 35. I was like 17 and a half or something. And so it might be almost exactly at the halfway point of my existence. I had the abortion. I went off to college. I didn't really think about it too much. I sort of just chalked it up to, you know, I did what I had to do and I was in no place to have a kid and I really didn't want to be like my mom who had kids when she really wasn't emotionally ready to and it wound up being a really bad situation for her kids. But now as I'm 35, my husband and I have been trying to have a baby for like a year and I feel this tremendous sense of guilt that maybe I can't have a baby right now, or maybe it's been so challenging for me because I had an abortion when I was 17. I know it seems crazy to say that, and I can hear myself right now, and it sounds crazy because I know the two aren't connected, but that's just an example of how deep my guilt runs. I also have cheated on boyfriends I have dated guys who have had girlfriends that I've known about and didn't care that I was hurting someone else's feelings. I have flirted with people who my friends liked, even when I knew that they liked them. I have led people on who I didn't return the feelings for, but just because I wanted them to do stuff for me. I've also led people on because it gave me a confidence boost to get attention from them, even though I knew that I wouldn't be returning their affection in the way that they wanted to. 
even in relationships. I look back at some of my earlier relationships and I was kind of mean to people, to my partners, people who I presumptively love. And I have always been such an empath where I really can pick up on what people are feeling and thinking even when they haven't outwardly expressed that. The really dark side of that is that I knew exactly how to hurt people because I knew what their biggest sensitivities were. And I can think of this one guy who I was just head over heels for, but I was so insecure in our relationship. Then I purposely made him jealous. I purposely said things that I know would rile him up and make him feel insecure. I did it in a relationship that I was in in my mid-20s where I knew exactly what to say to really upset my partner. And I would do it knowing that this person would be totally devastated with what I said outside of relationships, even in friendships and people I knew. I remember once when I was in high school, then this girl who I thought I had never met before came up to me and she was like, hey, we went to middle school together. Do you remember me? And I looked at her and I didn't remember her at all. So I said, no, I don't remember you. And I also went to a bunch of different schools when I was growing up. It was just lots of kids all the time taking up space in my memory. And then she said, you were so mean to me in middle school. I used to go home and cry every night because you were so mean to me. (laughs) And I was like, oh, whatever, blah, blah, blah. She's a whiny little baby. And now the work that I do is largely helping others. And it actually has been for a while. You know, I started my career in HR and in recruiting. And then when I moved to the venture capital firm, then I was really there to support the companies that we invested in. So actually my whole career has been very much being in service to other people, helping hire managers, find the right candidates, helping people find jobs, helping founders and executives with their biggest problems. And I've always been in that support role, that emotional logistical support role. And then especially now with Reset, that is even more pronounced. It's the career that I've chosen where I coach people and I'm there to just intensely listen to them. I think about my clients all the time. I love them so much. I think about all the people who follow Reset on Instagram and on the podcast. I'm constantly thinking, what can I give them? How can I be of service to them? I try to help people where it's needed. I'm sort of the go-to person when someone's looking for a job and needs advice or they're having a career crisis, then friend of a friend, whoever it is, I'm happy to talk to them. I have people reach out to me via Reset who are in a career crisis and I always try to hop on the phone with them even if I don't know them. I really do have this part of me that is so motivated by caring for and assisting other people. I took this personality test called the Hogan that I actually use on a lot of my clients. There's a section that identifies your key drivers in life. And so anything you score above a 76 is a key motivator. And those might be things like commerce, which means making money, power, recognition. The only one that I scored above a 76 on was altruism. And I scored a 100 on that. And I remember the woman who gave me that Hogan assessment, the facilitator, She said you have a 100 on your altruism score. I don't think that you are going to be working in venture capital for the rest of your life. I actually don't even know if you're going to be working in venture capital for more than three or four years because ultimately your heart needs to do something that is directly related to or directly contributing to helping and assisting other people. And that's true about me. I love finishing a coaching session with a client because it just feels so rewarding to have just really been there for them. And what's also true is that for a lot of my life, I was relatively unconscious and doing all these terrible things to people in my life who I cared about and also people who maybe I didn't care about, but certainly didn't deserve it. 
And where I've done a really good job is to try to learn from all of those experiences. A lot of the work I do with my therapist is about figuring out why I was such a cruel person in certain moments and to figure out why I was such an unconscious person by examining what need of mine wasn't getting met. So I'll use an example. Why did I cheat on my boyfriend? It was because I didn't feel good about who I was. (laughs) I didn't have confidence If I had known that and being able to identify that at the time, I could have worked on building self-love for myself instead of trying to find attention and love from other people. And even with boyfriends I had who I was really mean to or, you know, wanted to get a rise out of them, it was because I was feeling insecure about our relationship and I wanted them to show me that they cared about me and I would do that by poking them. You know, it's like poking a bear with a stick to get its attention. I'm like, oh, great, the bear's paying attention to me, but you did it by annoying it, and now you're in jeopardy. Your relationship's in jeopardy. If I had known and been able to identify that at the time, I would have said, okay, I clearly am looking for connection. I'm looking for a confirmation that this person loves me. I should just tell them that. I should just tell them that I'm feeling vulnerable instead of going this roundabout way that's actually going to cause harm to our relationship. And it took me a really, really long time to learn how to be vulnerable. And I think, honestly, a lot of my meanness and a lot of my cruelty came from the fact that I didn't really love myself and I didn't know how to be vulnerable. I think that's why I picked on all those kids when I was younger, because I wanted to like be in the in crowd. I wanted to be cool. And I did that by trying to elevate myself over someone else by putting people down who I thought were, quote unquote, lower than me on the social scale. Now that I've really invested in caring for myself and for being able to articulate those feelings of not good enough, not worthy enough, then I know how to tend to them myself without having to hold other people down. I honestly think that vulnerability is the key to everything. Brene Brown, who I love, who I bet a bunch of you guys have read, she says, staying vulnerable is a risk we have to take if we want to experience connection. I think that's so true. I mean, it happened the other day where my husband, he was telling me about a decision he made around his career and he was really happy about it. He was really excited. And part of me felt really threatened by that because he was going to be moving squarely into a different focus and a different industry that's farther afield from what I'm doing, which is working as a coach, building self-help material through the podcast and through the Instagram, and then also writing books. And he is an author. He's written really great books about how people can find meaningful work for themselves. Um, He's worked out as, as a coach in the past as well. And with this pivot, he would be squarely in a different field that I'm not especially interested in, but he loves. And I felt myself like wanting to be mean to him about his choice and how it was a stupid choice. And then instead, I was able to take a step back and just say, I'm really afraid that you're going to leave me behind. And I'm afraid that I'm not going to have my guy by my side That as I work on this business. And it's already so lonely just doing it mostly on my own that I liked the fact that you could offer me so much advice and so much guidance and so much perspective with you know the experience that you have as a writer and as a coach. This is all to say that I'm learning and that being a person who has treated other people poorly doesn't mean that you are a bad person in any way. It just means that you probably have some pieces of yourself that need to be loved and need to be supported and to nurture those pieces as opposed to lashing out at other people. We have a really beautiful full moon that is happening 
this Saturday, October 31st, also Halloween, which is also known as Samhain. It's just a great time to give yourself some freedom, right? And so my call to all of you guys who are listening is to think about anything that you may be still feeling grief or guilt or regret about and see if you can just let it go and tell yourself that you don't need to hold on to it anymore. You know better now, so you're going to do better. And holding on to those residual pieces of the painful past isn't doing anyone any good. None of us are born inherently bad. None of us. We are just confused. We learn from people who are giving us wrong information. I really think that's the case with people who are supporters of Trump. I can't remember who said this, but I was listening to a podcast and someone was talking about how the people who support Trump, those are all people who have been bullied and their mechanism for survival is to align themselves with the bully. And the people who are really against Trump are people who will stand up to the bully and say, that's not right. And if you even look at Jared Kushner, for instance, his dad was the biggest manipulator and bully of them all. If you read any of the newspaper stories about the sort of bribery and corruption that he was a part of and, you know, going to jail for trying to tamper with a witness by blackmailing his sister's husband or something like that. So he grew up with a bully as a father, and he learned to survive by basically kowtowing to that bully. And that is what he is doing now to Trump. And that is what a lot of the people who support Trump, that's what their rhetoric is. They're like, he's a winner, right? I don't care if he like cheats and steals. I want to be with the winner. And I think it's important to bring that up because no matter what you have done in your life, you have to remember that you are a good person. No matter the mistakes that you have made, that happiness is available to you, that success is available to you. I honestly think that out of all of my friends, I've had like the most up and down of a career trajectory and I've had the most up and downs with my personal life, but I also am the person who is most willing to look at myself deeply and to see what it is that is unconsciously driving me. And I'm the person who's most willing to look at my life and say, this isn't working anymore. So thank you so much for listening, you guys. I so appreciate you guys sharing the podcast on your stories. So many of you guys do that when the episodes come out. And I just really love you for it. It really gets the word out. And it's been so fun to have people write from South Africa and Australia and Portugal and say, hey, my friend recommended the podcast to me. And it just blows my mind. I'm so, so, so thankful for all of you guys. Have a really, really wonderful full moon. Have a great election day. I'll be canvassing in Philadelphia this weekend because Pennsylvania is such an important state. As always, remember to listen to yourself, to love yourself, to say yes to life and let life say yes to you. And if you feel so inclined, please review the podcast on iTunes or Spotify and subscribe to it because it comes out on a different day almost every week because I am just not a punctual person like that. Thanks so much and I'll see you guys next week. Bye.